didn't realize well, that's that. That's an interesting question. You know, I've never heard of it from that So let's talk about that. Let's talk you know, about I think that. you need to come over, stand in my to shoes. Agree to disagree. Hey, it's Julie. Welcome to Top of Mind. For the next month or so, we're going to be serving up some special episodes from the archive of the daily live radio show we used to do. While we, behind the scenes, are preparing a lineup of fresh new stuff for you to enjoy come fall. So today's conversation is one, and I am not exaggerating this, it changed my life. It was back in 2017, and I spoke with Dan Brule. He's one of the world's leading experts on breath work. He recommends taking time every single day to practice breathing. And I was pretty skeptical about this at the outset of our conversation. But by the end, Dan Brule had me convinced it was worth a try. And here's the thing. Over these last five years, breathing exercises have actually become my best tool for coping with the waves of stress and anxiety that wash over me pretty regularly. It really works, and I am so glad I learned it. So I thought maybe you'd find the information helpful, too. Here is that conversation with Dan Brule. He's got a book about all this, by the way. It's called Just Breathe. Listen, uh, you breathe in, you let it out. <laughs> What's there to learn? <laughs> What's there to practice? You know... <laughs> About 30 years ago, I, I designed a master's program at uh, Lesley University in Boston, and they assigned me a faculty advisor. And when she read my proposal for this, uh, it was called Breath as a Tool for uh, Healing, Growth, and Change in Body, Mind, Spirit. It was the title of my master's thesis. And, she, and the, her first reaction was, you know, I do yoga, I'm watching my diet, I do Reiki, I meditate, and now I have to breathe. <laughs> and so I said, whoa, I guess you just gave me an idea on where we need to start with people. So, you know, breathing is something that we already do. And so as soon as we become conscious of it, it becomes something else. It becomes something more powerful, more alive, more intelligent. It, it starts to become a therapeutic tool it becomes a, a guide. We'll, we'll begin to observe changes in our breathing, which alert us to changes in other states, psychology, emotions, physiology, chemistry. And um, so the idea is that we can all walk but, and we can all dance, but some people raise that to the level of an art. We can all cook. We can all sing. But obviously some people can do these things to an extraordinary level. As, as with any art. And so that's the, that's the thing. Breathing is an art, or it can be an art, and it is an art, and it should be an art. And as soon as we treat it that way, we begin to create really amazing things in our, in our life, in our physical health, our emotional well-being. Our, we can manage psychological states, and it's right under our nose. It's, uh, it's, the, it's the ultimate cliche. We overlook it. We underestimate it. It's so simple. It's so basic. And yet we all know that those are the things that always turn out to be the most powerful. I think it would be helpful to uh, to, to have a, kind of a sense of what you're talking about here uh, with regard to, to breathing practice before we go any further. Would you walk us through a simple breathing exercise so we get a sense for this? Yeah, perfect. You wake up in the morning and you notice, hey, I'm breathing. <laughs> and I didn't have to do anything. Look at that. And that's what you do. You look at it. You simply begin to observe your breathing. You notice it coming in. You notice it going out. What have you done? You've taken your awareness. You've taken your attention and you've focused it on something. That has real value. 
And what you're focusing on, it has real power. And so that combination, now I'm observing my breath. It's a meditative practice. You observe the mo- what movements, what touches, where does the breath go? What are the subtle feelings and sensations at the tip of your nose as the air passes? Can you feel the breath in your throat swirling? Can you feel the movement in your chest or the movement in your belly? So you're exploring in more detail. Yeah, you're, it starts with an observation of, hey, breathing is happening. Now let me look more closely at it. Let me come into a more intimate relationship with it. And am I trying and to control it, it in some way or just notice yet. it? Nope, not yet. You don't have to do anything. Just the fact that you're observing it, you've got your foot in the door, you're on the path. So there are two aspects of breath work. One is the passive one, which is what we described, where you don't have to breathe in any certain way. You don't have to do anything right. It's already happening, and you become the witness. That's meditative awareness. Now the second part of breath work is when you actually start to breathe on purpose in some particular way. You give the breathing a certain pattern. You regulate it in some way. You breathe with a certain intention. And we call this conscious breathing. It's an active part where the first part we described was breath awareness. It's more of a passive. It's like yin and yang aspects to the practice. Mm. Describe how the active thing works. Like how, what would a, a conscious breathing uh, exercise be like? Well, you can, you can, there's probably thousands of breathing exercises. Breathe in for four, hold for six, exhale for eight. Uh, you know, breathe in your belly, breathe in your chest, breathe fast, breathe slow. So what you do is you pick any anything that feels easy and enjoyable. For example, you could simply balance your breathing. You breathe in for five seconds, you breathe out for five seconds. In for five seconds, out for five seconds. That's called coherent breathing, by the way. And that's a 10-second breathing cycle, five seconds in, five seconds out, which means you're breathing at a rate of six breaths a minute, which puts you into a therapeutic zone in terms of anxiety and stress it lowers cortisol levels. It triggers parasympathetic uh, rest and digest and recover mode of the nervous system. And all you did was just put your breathing into a very simple, gentle rhythm, five seconds in, five seconds out. So that's an example of one of a thousands of different breathing conscious breathing exercises that you can do. Dan Brule, we'll get into some of the benefits that you were just listing off there because, I mean, if it's all true, it's pretty remarkable, especially given, as you mentioned, that this is a free thing that we can do. It doesn't, you don't have to go to a doctor. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to take lessons. So, but let me, uh, let me get a few of the mechanics. <laughs> let me get a few of the mechanics out of the way. I'm kind of an innate skeptic, so we're going to piece apart some of this. I love but, it. I love it. But, but mechanically, though, uh, breathing, am I, am I breathing? Let's say we were doing that five seconds in five seconds out thing um mm-hmm. am i uh am i breathing through my nose or through my mouth do i fill my lungs am i trying to fill my belly what exactly am i is there a right way to do this now see all those questions you just asked means that you've already done some breath awareness you're already familiar with what i would call the parameters is it deep is it shallow is it fast is it slow is it high in your chest is it low in your belly are you breathing in your nose or out your mouth Or are you breathing in one nostril and out the other? Or are you breathing in your nose and out your mouth? So see what you're, what you're doing is you're, you're beginning a list of all the possible ways we can play with the breath and get specific benefits from any one of those. Oh, so, so So, whatever uh, combination you choose, say breathing 
slowly has certain benefits, breathing faster has certain benefits, using your mouth or your yeah. diaphragm, all of those kind of lead to different results. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yep. Well, let's yep. take um, let's take the standard you do talk mm-hmm. about in your book, kind of the basic, <laughs> you say this would be the ideal scenario, you know, spending up to like 20 minutes a day, I guess, doing breathing. Uh, but but then you've got then you've got the more realistic, I would call it uh, five minutes a day, three times a day, three morning, times. morning, midday and night. So See, tell I'm me, lazy. I'm, I'm a lazy person. If somebody says, Oh, you're going to have to practice an hour a day or go to the gym three times a week. I'm already looking for the door. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a very easy level entry. Five minutes at a time, three times a day. That's a small investment. But there is no way that you can make that investment and not have significant, measurable, unarguable changes and benefits. Okay, That's what the power of breath work. What exactly is the power though? So five so three times a day I stop for five uh, yep. I stop for five minutes, I turn my timer on my phone, I close my mm-hmm. eyes and I breathe in for five seconds and out for five seconds. I do that for five minutes straight, which in- incidentally I did try a couple of times and it's a very long time to be doing nothing except <laughs> <laughs> breathing. Um, so Hey I was stuck in traffic for longer than that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's true, so, but when you're just when you're trying to not think about anything, you're not listening to the radio, you're not checking your phone, you're not talking to anybody, you are simply thinking about this air going in and out. It's there, crazy how it. things slow well, down. There's the, there's the first benefit. You're unplugging from everything that's sucking your energy, and you're taking five minutes to come home to yourself and to connect with the source of energy in yourself, which is the breath. So it's a time to reboot. It's a time to unplug. It's a time to recharge, to relax. And so, for example, one of the benefits might be is if you are breathing unconsciously at a habit, say, 20 breaths a minute, for three times a day, for five minutes, you're slowing your breathing down. So you're creating a balance in your nervous system. You're countering all the causes of stress. And so the benefits are accumulating just from that little five-minute thing. And one of the things you just did, the first thing, is by focusing on your breathing for five minutes, you are into a mindfulness process. So you're getting the benefits of meditation in addition to all the benefits that healthy breathing brings. After five minutes of coherent breathing, for example, 20% decrease in cortisol levels, lowering of blood pressure, lowering of heart rate, uh, switching on of the parasympathetic uh, autonomous, you know, shifting out of the sympathetic fight or flight mode. That's healthy. That's important. So is it at its core, breathwork is relaxation technique? That's one of the three what we call cornerstones. Breathwork involves three cornerstones, three fundamental, uh, it's even like a formula, you could say, a formula for transformation or the cornerstones of the practice. First is awareness, meditative awareness, the ability to witness feelings and sensations in your body, the ability to witness yourself, to observe your behaviors. Breathing is a behavior. You're observing your behavior. And maybe you might find, hey, I might need to modify my behavior based on my observations. So that's the first cornerstone, breathing for more mindfulness. The second you just mentioned is breathing for relaxation. So we, the first exercises we begin to practice are to get better at relaxing. And the third one is how to derive more energy from the breathing. 
So those are the three basic skills that we start everybody with, no matter which path you want to take or why you might want to breathe. These are fundamental skills. First, you develop the ability to breathe in such a way that you become more conscious, more mindful, more aware, more self-aware. The second is you get better at relaxing quickly, more deeply, and being able to relax in more situations. And the third benefit is you find a way to actually feed yourself energy, charge your system, you know, draw on a source of energy for performance and uh, for work and for sports, whatever you're into. All right, let's talk about those last two. Let's start with relaxation first. Is the key when you're trying to relax through breathing, slow it down and longer exhales? Yep, that's a good, that's a very good uh, generalization. It's really, it describes it perfectly, slowing the breathing down. And, but if you try to slow it down too much, it becomes a chore. And now you're kind of fighting. So you've got to find that sweet spot where you're slowing your breathing down. And one way to do that is to lengthen the exhale. So for example, if I breathe in for a count of three, and then I breathe out for a count of four or six, so now I just made my exhale a little longer than my inhale, which means I'm going to begin to lean on the parasympathetic part of my nervous system, and I'm going to be waking up that parasympathetic side. I'm not charging the sympathetic side, which happens when I want to inhale. Uh, it happens when we inhale. So if I want more energy, I would focus on the inhale, and I might make my inhales four, eight, six, ten seconds long, and my exhales one or two seconds long. Oh. A long inhale and a short exhale. If I want to relax, I'll do a gentle inhale that requires no effort, and then I lengthen the exhale as long as I don't have to work in force, and I keep leaning in that direction. So maybe after a couple of minutes, when I first start, my exhale, a comfortably long exhale might be four. Any more than that, and it feels like I'm forcing, I'm squeezing, I'm working. So, but then after a few minutes, maybe it's easy to take a five or a six. Or Why would it get easier uh, after even just just a few minutes of trying to extend your exhale? I mean, because I've, you know, I've played that game where I try to hold my breath underwater at the swimming pool, and uh-huh. you know, I mean, no matter how hard I try through the course of the day, I'm not really gonna get much longer than the 20 seconds or so that I can do. So, what exactly is going on here? that allows you to, to actually get better so quickly at breath work? I mean, it is about training. I have a good friend, Stig Severinsen, who I write about him in the book, who holds the world's record for holding his breath underwater, 22 minutes. Now, he didn't do that overnight. He did that over a period of years, doing yoga, practicing breath holding, adding a second or two each day, and so on. So that's training, and there might be real reasons for that. That might not be necessary for you. You, probably, you. Maybe you don't need to be able to hold your breath for 22 minutes or even two minutes. There's no part of your life where that's required, so why would you train for that? So you focus on what do I want to train for, and then which breathing exercises and techniques will help me move towards that. Would it be fair to say that, that, that we all have the capacity to sort of control our breathing and exhale longer than than we think would be comfortable or that we would normally do. I mean the the capacity, the muscles are there. It's just that we're not we're not ever really harnessing it. Yeah, we haven't we haven't practiced. That's all. It's like walking, it's like anything until you practice and the more you practice the better you get at it. Breathing is a behavior like walking like speaking like anything. And the more you practice, the better you get at it. But we all have a natural ability 
That's why we can all learn language. We all learn to walk. But, but we haven't developed all the abilities we have with breathing because there hasn't been a, a system. I mean, there are systems, but they're, you know, you got to go to India. you got to join a cult. you got to become a Buddhist. you got to, you know. So the breathing, all these breathing abilities are, are tucked away into these rituals and schools and religious things. And so, um, so you know, we're just about open source learning, you know. <laughs> and and Dan Brule, when you um if I'm if I'm going to be doing the 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 breathing, the sort of minimum 5 minutes 3 times a day breathing <laughs> for for stress relief, managing anxiety, relaxation, which goodness knows I could certainly use help with, um is am I doing that even when I'm not feeling stressed out? I mean, is it most important to do the breathing in the moments where I'm feeling the most wound up? Well, uh, you know, my you know, this stuff is practiced by Navy SEALs warriors, mixed martial artists while they're fighting. So this stuff has to work. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth the time and effort to train. So this stuff works. And so, you know, one of the things you... The sigh of relief, for example, right? That sigh of relief, people already know how to do it. Nobody needs to teach you. But the fact is, you rarely take a sigh of relief for no reason at all. And that's a good example of a breathing exercise, where it's not even a technique, it's a natural response, but we just start to do it consciously. So let's take that five-minute formula <laughs> three times a day, and then I would suggest, okay, forget about coherent breathing, forget about trying to figure out what's the best breath to relax, try a sigh of relief. That's what nature already gave us. Hmm. When we are in pain and the pain goes away, this breath expresses itself because we just went from pain to no pain, and what happens? Ah, a sigh of relief comes. You don't make it happen. You don't think about it. It's the way nature programmed us. Okay, well, going back then to the the way you promote uh, practicing, regular daily mm-hmm. practice, I mean, why is it not enough just to let the breath do what we naturally do, which is sigh when we're relieved? Like, what's the point well, of the daily if ritual? To, if you want to use it to get through times of stress, you have to have already practiced and trained so you can access that ability under stress. If you haven't learned how to swim, if you fall out of a boat, you can learn how to swim. Nature will guide you, but it's a lot easier if you learn how to swim before. And then when you get into a situation, you've got a skill. So that's why you do a daily practice to develop the skill so that in those times, first of all, you'd think about it. If you haven't trained, it wouldn't even occur to you to turn to your breath. If you're in a serious argument and you're getting all emotional, or you're feeling something uncomfortable in your body and is grabbing all your attention, you wouldn't think to breathe in those moments unless you have practiced and made it a conscious uh, thing. That's the reason for the rituals or the practices every day. Speaking with Dan Brule, who's an expert in breathwork, recognized worldwide, and he's written all of his secrets, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them in his book, Just Breathe, Mastering Breathwork for Success in Life, Love, Business, and Beyond. Before we talk about breathing for energy, I want to know just a little bit about how you got onto this path. Um, It was a kind of, for me, it was an unavoidable, inescapable mission in life (laughs) and I started getting messages in kindergarten and every job I ever did or anything I ever tried to do it always seemed to come back around to breathing so at some point I just surrendered and said okay 
this is this is what I'm most passionate about, and this is what nobody else seems to be looking into. I I, tra- I had to travel to India and China, and I had to dig to find masters who had, you know, Zen masters and martial artists who had developed, you know, use their breath to develop these profound abilities, and so. You know, I became a missionary for the work because it was my own passion to see what is possible. What are we capable of? What are we missing that's right under our nose that can solve a lot of our problems? <laughs> and then the breath just kept showing up that way. Um, What's the most amazing and, thing that you've discovered breathing, uh, controlled breath work can actually accomplish for somebody? Any, any of the stories you've heard about what the great masters or the saints or the mystics or the great warriors, uh, the great gurus and yogis and the Taoist monks, anything you read about that these extraordinary people achieved, those are human abilities everyone has. It's just that very few people have awakened them or has discovered them explored them and developed them. And that's what sets these great masters and people apart. You know, I was, I had a, I started my discipline study when I was an x-ray technician in x-ray. So I was 19 years old and I was x-raying a lot of people. And when you take a chest x-ray, you tell the person, take in a deep breath and hold it. And then I would take an x-ray and then I would turn them sideways to get two views like a front view and a side view on a chest X-ray. Then I would turn them sideways. I would give them the same instructions, take in a deep breath and hold it, and I'd click the picture. After watching several thousand people do this, I realized I saw seven, several thousand different ways of doing the same thing. Hmm. And it started to intrigue me that the breathing was, was like fingerprints, and each person has a unique relationship to it. And maybe the people who achieve these high states have a certain relationship to the breath that the average person doesn't. So I started with this research on my own. If you were the top of your field, I don't care what field it is, if you are among that 1% of musicians or engineers or medical people or artists, whatever, do you breathe differently? Are you more conscious of your breath? Do you use your breath? And you know what? After 40 years of, of tracking that around the world, there are no exceptions. Every single person I have ever met that is at the top of their field, practices breathing. (laughs) Hmm. Tell us about how to breathe for energy and alertness. The relaxation part makes total sense. How am I going to do this if I want to, you know, be alert in the moment, like some of these, you know, military, these soldiers and elite athletes that you're talking about? Like you need to be, right? You know, the ideal state on the battlefield is someone who is completely relaxed, very, very conscious of the situation, their, their surroundings, their internal world. In other words, they're very aware, they're very relaxed, and they are charged with energy. They're plugged into an energy so that it could explode at any moment. You know, that warrior energy just explodes, and it can be maintained for a while. So you access this amazing force and then you maintain it as long as you need to maintain it to accomplish what it is you need to do. And when you think you can't go any further, guess what? You still have 40% in reserve. And you have to get pushed to your limit enough for you to be able to tap that limit and then know, because then you have an experience. You thought you couldn't make it. Somebody pushed you. Something inside of you drove you. And you went beyond your limit and you tapped into more energy and then you could go and go and go. And so you have to have that experience 
and then you can depend on it. <laughs> and it makes you much more powerful. And what's and the so breathing ways, technique? There it is. So we're back to step one. First, you observe your breathing. How are you breathing? And then you simply add energy to the breathing. You, you breathe with the intention of charging yourself. And the, so it's a very conscious, deliberate intention. I'm pulling in energy. I'm pulling in energy from around me when I inhale. I'm drawing energy up from within me when I inhale. So you could call it visualization, imagination. It's a sensory kind of intention. And so now you set into motion, you link consciousness with the breath, and energy is generated. Whenever we do that, whenever we link consciousness with breathing, energy is created, and it's accessible and it's usable. So then if you have been observing your breath on a daily basis and you know what your normal breathing pattern is and you know when you get under stress which way your breathing tends to go, then you already know what to do with it to get yourself back in balance. Now, if you're talking about the pure question of how do I charge myself, first with the intention, then I would lengthen my inhales. And the principle, here's one of the secrets, you can have it, is what we call the energy to effort ratio. That means that I could take in a deep breath, but what does it cost me? How many muscles do I use? How much effort do I exert? And so at the end of that equation is going to be how much energy is left over, right? So if the only way that I can breathe deeply is to huff and puff and use a lot of force and effort and muscles, it's costing me energy to breathe. And at the end of that, I have maybe very little net gain. And maybe I'll even use up more energy in the process of breathing than I'm getting from the breath. So there's one of the secrets. And that's what we train, the energy to effort ratio. So if you want to get more energy, you need to learn how to take long, deep, powerful breaths that cost you nothing, that don't require muscular effort or stress or work, and that's training. So I'm not clenching my diaphragm or, or expanding my chest physically to, to get, because you said earlier, energetic breaths include big inhales, short exhales. Is that right? Yep. Yep. I would lean in the direction of the inhale because I want to charge myself, and I might even make a sound like through pursed lips. Listen to this. So I will shape my lips in such a way that makes a sound that sounds like a charging sound. It so you're sucking active. in, you're sucking in through pursed yep. lips and then yep. letting it out fast. Yep. I could be breathing in through my nose if I wanted to. And if we practice both, we find out which one works best for us and which times because we have more awareness. Um, and I would also add to that, like we call an acceleration. I'm getting into advanced stuff, but this is stuff we're teaching. How do you charge yourself? You, you breathe in this pattern. It's a long inhale that accelerates. It starts off small and slow, and it speeds up and intensifies. It sounds like this. So it has this accelerating kind of feeling to it. Now you're charging yourself. Mm. After 10 or 20 of those breaths, you're buzzing with electricity and you're ready to go. Is there any risk of hyperventilation here? Um, it's interesting. You connect the word risk to hyperventilation. I happen to think that hyperventilation is a high spiritual state. <laughs> I think it's one of the best things that we could ever hope for. 
We just need to get comfortable with the symptoms of it and relapse through the icky feelings that it brings up. Once we do that, we're able to connect with energy without our system going chaotic. And that's also part of the training. We make people hyperventilate until they get uncomfortable, until they get scary and all these feelings and ooh, weird things are happening in my body and oh, I'm getting dizzy. And we go, yeah, yeah, keep breathing, keep relaxing, keep breathing. Notice those sensations, just let them be, keep breathing, keep relaxing. And all those symptoms go away. And then you can breathe as deep as you want, as fast as you want, and you don't trigger the symptoms of hyperventilation, which the medical people, kind of, it's in the negative, has a negative connotation, like hyperventilation, is, it's bad, it's, it's unhealthy, we don't want it. And, and there is a lot of legitimate evidence for that, but breathing is bigger than uh, just our medical model of it. Well, okay, then, so... He would never have broken records if he, if he honored those kind of things. <laughs> the, the, the breath, the whole breath holder, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I guess that, is this all safe to do uh, on your own without the, you know, the supervision of a doctor, breathing exercise yep. like you're hey, talking about? Of course, because what do we start with? Sigh of relief. And you just do it more often. And you exaggerate it and you deliberately enjoy it. So now you're doing breath work. And what are you doing? You're doing something that nature makes you do, but you're just doing it consciously. And you're observing your breath. That's perfectly healthy. And if you give sighs of relief, that's perfectly healthy. And if you want to yawn, you can make that an exercise. Yawning is also perfectly safe and healthy. And that first exercise I gave you, inhale five seconds, exhale five seconds, that has been tested. There's tons of medical evidence. It's perfectly safe for everybody. And maybe when you count to five, maybe you count a little faster or a little slower than someone else because you're honoring your particular comfort level. So, yeah, it's, this stuff is absolutely safe for anybody. Now, some of the transformational techniques and some of the extreme athlete techniques, well, of course, we're, we're picking and we're choosing, you know, who's ready for that stuff. But the average person, everything I've discussed so far, oh, and everything in the book, it's all perfectly safe. The book is called Just Breathe. There's one other thing we do need to talk about. You mentioned yawning. We have to talk about yawning because you you offer this whole chapter to in praise of yawning. I, I love to yawn. And I do it all the time. And I know people think it's really rude. And they're always like, am I boring you? And I'm like, no, it just feels good. It feels good. It does. So, so uh, describe what it is about yawning that's connected to breath and that you think is good for us because I'm all about it if it's true well you know I mean I've always just loved yawning and I happen to accidentally have used it uh it just spontaneously occurred in certain moments and I couldn't help but notice that what happened in the next moment was far better than what would have happened or where I was going or what was I I had a sense that hey yawning really helps us in ways and so let's do it and But we have to get over all the social stuff. Like you mentioned, am I boring you? You know, what's happening? And so neuroscientists, and what got me excited in the last few years is that finally, from my point of view, science and medicine is looking into this. I, I tried and begged 40 years ago to, like, find somebody to study yawning. And they went, what? Study yawning? Well, as it turns out, and you can Google around, there's a great study from Stanford University and others, that neuroscientists cannot find any single activity that lights up more parts of the brain simultaneously than a simple yawn. So nature makes us do it, 
And animals yawn before they attack. They yawn after they attack. They yawn when they wake up. The yawning reflex is stimulated by light. What's that about? Yawning reflex is stimulated by uh, fatigue. It's, it's, it's stimulated by lots of things. And in turn, it stimulates lots of things in the brain. So it's a hugely powerful, natural thing to do. And most of us, we barely do it. We only do it when our body demands it. And then when our body demands it, we suppress it partly. We cover it. We're shy about it. We don't allow ourselves a full body on. And so we are interfering with our nature. And so for me, to get, I have a whole day. About, it's a yawning seminar. That's the only thing the seminar is about. <laughs> so I can go on all day if you want me to. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's safe. It's natural. And now we just play with it. Hey, five minutes, three times a day, yawn and sigh. Yawn and sigh. Uh, <laughs> now maybe I could get behind that. <laughs> Yay. It's easy. It doesn't take discipline. And you notice yawning is contagious. That's because it's connected to the part of our brain that's responsible for empathy. So sociopaths, for example, don't share the tendency to catch a yawn when other people in the group are yawning. So it's connected to mirror neurons. Um, It's like it's an amazing thing. And because it's so simple and because it's so obvious, we tend to think, ah, but this is where there's magic. You yawn consciously. You yawn deliberately. You yawn continuously for at least a couple of minutes until your eyes water, until you're tingling and vibrating. You have an urge to stretch. That's why I say yawning is yoga. It's so healthy. It's unbelievable. And maybe if we just yawn for five minutes, three times a day, we could prevent a whole host of issues and challenges and maybe even illnesses and more. (laughs) <laughs> Big promises there, but but hey, you know, if it, if it, all it takes is breathing and yawning, it, it certainly can't hurt. That was a conversation I had with Dan Brule, author of Just Breathe, back in 2017, when Top of Mind was a daily live radio show. We're now a weekly podcast, as you know, but for the next several weeks, I'm sharing some of my favorite conversations from our old live radio days. Meanwhile, we would love to hear what you would like more of from Top of Mind. What topics do you want us to tackle? Which episodes have been your favorite so far? To get in touch, just send an email to topofmind at byu.edu or reach out on Facebook. Next week, you'll hear my interview with Chef Samin Nasrat about the four essential elements of good cooking, salt, fat, acid, heat. If you're an experimenter in the kitchen like I am, always swapping and tweaking stuff in recipes, you're going to love Chef Nasrat. Personally, my success-failure ratio in those kitchen experiments is much improved since having this conversation with her. So you'll hear that next week right here on the Top of Mind podcast. I'm Julie Rose. We'll talk soon.